Our Bible passage this morning is from Luke 14, verses 1 to 24. You can find it on page 1,621. That's Luke 14. Jesus at a Pharisee's house. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do you not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors? If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Parable of the Great Banquet When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Thank you, Ina. Thank you, Brad. We are looking this morning at the uh, final meal. We've been looking at the various meals where Jesus is ministering. And this is going to be the, our, our last meal in the Gospel of Luke. And then 
And then we move to, to uh, well, Pastor Jack Helam is here next Sunday. I'm in New Life in Red Deer. And then, and then we move into Lent, our thinking about, too, as Jesus' ministry continues, his suffering and his death on the cross for our sins. So we'll be moving into our, our reflection on that. So this morning, we have the final uh, looking at the various meals. And, and this is uh, one here in Luke 14. As we reflect on this meal, the question comes to us, how are we at welcoming strangers? That's really the, the central focus here, uh, strangers and those in need. Now, we as a church, we, we try to do that. That is part of the vision. We try to be welcoming of people, and, and we're still, that challenges us. We're, we're not tremendously good at it all the time, uh, some cases better than others, but it's, it's a challenge for us. And even with the incentive of Hebrews 13, verse 2, Hebrews 13, verse 2, do you remember? It says, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Now that's something. Would you like to entertain angels? Then you have to welcome strangers. Be open and friendly and offer hospitality. This builds in the culture of the day in regard to welcoming strangers. There wasn't as much hotels, restaurants, and things, and people welcomed each other more. They took care of each other more. As travelers came or, or in communities, there wasn't a lot of extra support services. There weren't food banks and things like that, and so people depended on each other and helped each other more than we do now. In our culture, it's more, well, we don't have to do that. Because there's things and people and, and that'll help. We don't have to help. And strangers can find their own way. So we have, have moved to a very opposite view of this kind of vision of welcoming and helping those in need. And so I think our Christian witness in this culture can really find traction in this area to be welcoming of those in need. And Jesus' words challenge us again this morning to be his witnesses by welcoming strangers and those in need. In Luke 14, here we again have Jesus at a meal. Often in Luke, he is invited and he ministers at a meal. And Jesus, in that, I think, is reminding us, too, that in our eating together, even with family or friends or even with strangers, ministry happens when we gather for a meal. In this event, Jesus is focusing on our being more open, more welcoming to those we would otherwise not really associate very much. That's really his point here. The practice of hospitality, that's a way of showing God's love and grace to people. And it's part of serving our Lord, 
those Jesus wants us to serve with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our strength. That's, that's part of it, to be that welcoming people, that welcoming community. We read here in Luke a little longer passage, reading from verses 1 to 24, but there is, there is here um, a unity of thought. This is one meal. The account that is given here is, is in one meal where Jesus is teaching, and he has three specific teachings, and they're all related And especially to understand the last one, you need to understand the first two. So we're looking at it together. First here in verses 1 to 6, you have a person suffering from dropsy. And this person is at the meal. Luke is a doctor, and so this is interesting to him. He understands the medical condition of this man. And and it's a swelling, a swelling in the hands, in the face, in the legs. It's a, it's a retention of fluid. It, it's a chronic heart failure kind of symptoms uh, along with other things. And so this man is, is in a lot of pain and there is nothing that they can do for this man. Now this person is at the meal. They say, oh, welcomed a stranger. But that's not it at all. This person is welcomed not as a needy stranger, but this person who is sick, is considered sinful, is actually not welcome at all, except that he's there to test Jesus. So the actual uh, person is not in view at all. There's no care or concern for this person in any way, apart from this person is useful to undermine the ministry of Jesus, possibly. And so that's why the person is there. Luke 14, verse 3, brings the question that's in view in terms of inviting this man. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus turns that completely around with an even more important question. The Sabbath... Is, is a sign of God's grace intervening in a broken and hurting world. And so the question is, are we showing God's gracious love in a hurting world, specifically those in need, and especially this poor person who is suffering from this illness, an actual person who has all kinds of spiritual struggles too. Does God love me? Is, is, is my disease a punishment for my sin? This person needs much care and support. And I love it. It's so nice here in, in Luke 14, verse 4, that it says too, uh, I love it how it says, uh, Jesus takes hold of the man. Jesus sees the man. He, he grabs that guy. In fact, I would say he hugs him up. He just wraps that guy. Guy, good to see you here. And he just hugs him up. You are welcome. You are loved. And I think maybe even in that hug itself, it doesn't say exactly how he healed him, but that, that he healed that man right there. And that man knew first of all, that he was loved. 
and then that he was healed. And that man felt welcomed in God's grace. And that's, that's what Jesus calls us to. Jesus, if we see him here too, that he would, he would touch our hearts and heal us from our judgmental attitudes and, and not really seeing people and not, not really dealing with them as persons. Often we just, just also treat others in very uh, wrong ways, but instead to embrace and to pull people out of the pits of despair and sadness and loneliness. Here, Jesus goes on to say, if, some, if, if an ox has fallen into a pit or a well, 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 an ox is worse more than, than people in, in, in the eyes of many. And, and that's so wrong. To see this more valuable person, this child of God. He says, if your child falls into a well. Well, this child of God is in need. And so, be the care of God to this person. So, Jesus is teaching an and amazing, great first point. Wonderful. Jesus, Jesus shows a, a, a gracious love to, to get through to the others at the banquet too. This is what God desires. This is what Jesus has come to do, to minister to people, to welcome strangers and those in need, and to see that they can see that they are loved by God in his grace. So that challenges us again to have those eyes, to minister in that way. Jesus goes on from there, verses 7 to 14, where at the same meal, he is really addressing a problem that, that stops us from doing that first part. And the problem is pride. Why? I am so much, much better than others, so why should I help these lowly people? The Bible always warns against pride. We, we are warned already, Proverbs 25, verses 6 and 7. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence. Do not claim a place among the great men. It's better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before noblemen. So, so there are elements of this, this story already in Proverbs 25. At, at the feast in that time, people would, would seek the better seats, the closer to the front. And in Luke 14, verse 7, Jesus sees people scrambling for the seats at the head table. And in verse 11, he says specifically, uh, for those, those who are exalting themselves, they will be humbled. And that that pride gets in the way of so much of what God wants to do. The problem of pride is evident in the Pharisees. This is a, is a feast at a prominent Pharisee's house. So this is the top of the top, verse 1. And, and in, in arrogance, feeling superior to others. So much better. And so much better in God's eyes that I don't need to help the poor and the needy and welcome the stranger. But the Bible speaks against that also. Romans 12, verse 3. 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But, but that's kind of our default setting. That's, that's kind of how we go. And, and, and as we go about things and, and we see somebody, a stranger, we don't really know. But we do know one thing about that person. I am better than that person. That's what I know for sure. And I'm busy and, and whatever they're about, well, who cares anyway? And I'm on my way. Thank you very much. And that's... That's how we often in sin see ourselves. I'm so much better than they are, and I don't have to do anything with them. And that can happen in a faith community too. Like we, as we gather in the church, yeah, we are better than, yeah, the neighbors around here, and and we are just so much better in every way. And so to associate with them, they're strangers to us, and we're actually called to be welcoming of them, but, but we don't, because we're better. So that, that's what Jesus sees also in this account. And Jesus teaches us to have a much more humble view of ourselves and to minister God's grace, especially to those, as it mentions here in our text, verse 13. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Well, those were ones who were not invited here. In this meal in in Luke 14, they weren't invited. Because, Because they can't benefit us. Verse 12 talks about, too, that uh, don't invite those who can benefit you somehow, up your prestige, repay you. But invite those, be an example of Christ, too, the needy, the lonely, the lost, the hurting. That's truly loving God with all our heart, soul, and strength, and loving Jesus as we should. So to welcome those in need. Why, why does Jesus pick these, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame? The reason is, Jesus often speaks in relation to you and me. We were in our sin, the poor, the crippled, blind in our sin, walking in the ways of sin. And so when we minister to people with these needs, we see ourselves in God's grace, invited to the banquet of his love in Jesus. So as God welcomed us, we we were never worthy of God's attention, of God's presence, of God's care. But he cares for us. And so when we see that, then we are ready to care for others. So this is another powerful teaching of our Lord at this meal. To to welcome the stranger. And and just just as we read this, you think, oh, well, that's fine. But this was, this was, you got it was shocking. This was shocking to those listening. It was beyond 
the, the social custom beyond even the faith custom, really, this was something that was just not done. The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame were ignored. They were shunned. They were judged. They were despised. And here Jesus is saying, welcome them even as I welcome you. Humble yourself and recognize what I have done for you. And then be that ministering presence in my name. Man, it, it, it's always challenging to have a meal with Jesus, isn't it? <laughs> Man, he is, he is trying to minister into the lives of these people and into our lives. And, and it, just, it just gets our attention. You, you have that call to be humble. And, and even like Philippians 2, verse, uh, where it speaks in verse 5 too, Jesus humbled himself and gave himself unto death on the cross. That's, that's in view here as well. There's one more thing, that third teaching, same meal, these things have happened. The man with dropsy has been healed. The, the pride of, of the people there has been addressed. And now Jesus feels he needs to teach one more thing in relation to verse... Uh, Verse 13, when, when he has said, invite the blind, uh, the crippled, the poor, and the lame. And then he says in verse 14, your reward will be at the resurrection of the righteous. So you won't be rewarded here, but you'll be rewarded in heaven. I like saying that to people too when they do stuff. Good work. Your reward is in heaven. And, and the guy picks it up. Verse 15, the guy who is there, one of the Pharisees, one of those, one of those guys who, who feels so much above everybody else, and he says, hey, here's something I can finally uh, dig into. Yes, Lord, yes, blessed. What does he say here? Blessed uh, are you when, uh, blessed are those who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Wow. Blessed are those who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. He's singing of that, that wonderful, heavenly, glorious time. Who is going to be there? Who is going to be there at that wonderful feast in the kingdom of God? Who is going to be there in heaven? Well, he is... He is thinking, I am, as one of these top-of-the-line Pharisees, of course, along with all of my friends and top-of-the-line folks that I like to get along with. But really, none of that, none of those others. But remember the context here. Jesus' loving embrace of the man with dropsy. And the man with dropsy is now sitting there, I'm sure, with Jesus. He's sitting right there beside Jesus at the feast. Now they are sitting, they are sitting at, at the low end of the table. But they are there. Jesus has, has changed the choice seats to the, the lower seating. And here again, Jesus has just said in verse 13, invite the poor, crippled, blind, and lame. And at this meal, they don't. 
They only allow the respectable. But Jesus is inviting these to a place in heaven. And, and if you notice in the parable uh, itself, as, as um, excuses are made and then the servant comes back and reported to, uh, others are not coming. And then, and then our other text, verse 21, where, where it says again, similar, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And then, so that's a real emphasis here. And then it says in verse 32, sir, your orders, that's been done. That's already been done. So this great feast that Jesus is talking about in, in this last example is, is a meal where he, this is the great feast of God who invites these people and they've been invited already and then more are, they're looking for more but there's already a bunch there. And then, and then the question is, this is God's banquet. These are the ones he is inviting it's a terrible affront to refuse the invitation to God's banquet where all are welcome. But have you ever wondered why, why are the people making excuses? Have you, have you read this story before and, and all of a sudden people start making excuses? But it doesn't tell you right in this story why. But the reason why is, I don't want to go to that banquet because there's all those poor and lame and blind and I don't want anything to do with them. Did you realize that? They're not just making excuses, oh, whatever, I'm busy. They're making excuses because they don't want to have anything to do with those folks. Those folks are, are trouble and a bother and wasting my time. Handicapped folks and other folks and needy folks. and That's why they're making excuses. From the context, we can safely assume that among the guests there, in Jesus' picture of the great banquet, are the lost and the least, the struggling in sin. And the proud and the self-righteous hear about that, and they don't want to be part of that at all. And so the excuses are, are like, like you know, very, very ridiculous. Buying a field without seeing it was, was unheard of. Buying oxen without trying them, that was just not done. A marriage planned months in advance, you would, you would never have, have a marriage coming up quite suddenly that you would need to change plans somehow. Behind each excuse is the feeling of, of superiority. So superior, so superior that, that you don't even have to come with a legitimate excuse. That you can just say, oh, whatever, I'm just not interested. And that, that, is that how we, we too, ignore or treat God's call that we would welcome the strangers and the needy? Well, I'm just not interested. And, and I don't really have a good excuse, but I'm just not going to do that. And feeling superior even to the host 
to Jesus and to God himself. That level of pride. But when, when those excuses, you really see them in the light of what God is doing and what he wants to do, they are ridiculous. And we look ridiculous as Christians too when, when we go about saying we are such great Christians, but we don't help the poor, the needy, the blind, and the lame. We just, we got other things. We're busy, sorry. So that's what's in view here. The call of God again to be the presence of Christ in a very, very challenging culture. To see the heart of Christ, the heart of God, clearly here. Jesus invites the outcasts of society, verse 13, verse 21. And, and you have to realize, finally, verse 23. Verse 23 is, is, is even beyond. Verse 23, the master tells his servants, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in. What, what is that? Well, we think too, oh, a nice drive in the country. Ha, <laughs> run down to Gull Lake, invite some people. What he's talking about is, like there was, there was generally in the towns, inside the walls, there were people living, and, and those who, who, yeah, less and more. But then outside the walls, outside the walls were those not welcome. Not welcome at all. Even less than the blind, uh, the lame, the crippled, and the poor. These were people like grave diggers. And you need them for a society, but, but we don't want anything to do with them. This was people like aliens from, from other, other countries, other cultures. We know no connection there. It was slaves, runaway slaves. It was prostitutes. It was, it was the, the, most, the, most, uh, the worst beggars. They weren't even allowed in the city. They weren't even welcome in the city. And Jesus now adds them. Go out and, and compel them to come in. What, what is that? Compel them to come in. Well, they know they're, they're so unwelcome that, that you really have to convince them that, yeah, they are welcome here. And, and there's even a sense in compelling that, that you have to hold your nose. You yourself have to compel yourself to invite them because you think they, they would never... I would never really associate with these people at all. But the call goes out. The humble service of Jesus that Jesus calls us to. Do not be proud, but welcome those in need. And it can be like a refugee family that we are going to be welcoming here. That, that we do that. Be part of doing that. They're so different and so strange and so unusual. Well, God calls us to help. And even, even with our First Nations friends, to be part of ministering there, God calls us to help. And even those, those with particular illness or needs in our community too, that, that we think too, well, well, others can take care of that. No, God calls us to help where we can as we are able to serve the least and the last and the lost. And when we do that, when we actually do that, then we see God at work. And I think that's, that's seeing the angels, the angels of God, 
also encouraging us as we go forward in faith. I want to conclude by praying, and I want to use uh, the words uh, of a song by uh, Casting Crowns. Casting Crowns has a song in relation to this theme uh, called Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And that's a beautiful song, but uh, I'll just use it as a prayer as we close the message. Let's pray together.